Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. It's June. It's summer. It's hot. Not as hot as this podcast, though. How bad was that? Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson. Uh, Cole Carmody, was that a horrible lead in? No, I think we're going to have a good podcast. I have a good feeling today. If, if we could drop in music, I'd drop in that hot, hot, hot song, whatever that is from the 80s. You don't know. You guys are too young. I know that song. Yeah. I had to sing it in an elementary school musical. Oh! What was that, like five years ago? <laughs> More like 15. <laughs> oh, we got your questions from Wabash Station. That's how this one works. You send the questions if you're a VIP at Go Power Cat. And we answer them for everyone to hear. And if you're not a VIP yet, we have it in a sale. We're at 60% off right now as of this day. 60% off if you want to become a VIP. Football season's nearing. You can follow all of our coverage of recruiting and all the good stuff. Join the GPC team. Come on into the family. We've got an incredible message board community. Do they argue once in a while? Yeah, but it never gets too bad. We we are all K-Staters over there and try to treat each other like family. So if you were looking for that kind of message board environment where you can have exchanges, non-political, please, and get along with everyone, we're your place. Head on over to Go Powercat, click that green join button, and get it done. And also, uh, if they had a green join button, you should join uh, the Fridge Wholesale Liquors fan club. They should have a fan club now. I don't know why they don't have a fan club. I would be, I'd be president of their fan club for a certain price. Get into the Fridge whenever you're in town. There's just wonderful people, wonderful selection, experts, and everything you might need from a liquor store. They even now, because of Kansas laws that finally changed, you have all your mixers, you got some energy drinks, you got your recovery stuff, you got limes and lemons sometimes. They run out because people like me buy a lot of Mexican beer. So it's all right there at the fridge at the corner of this and that in the town in which we live. And if you don't get that joke, you haven't been listening to this podcast long enough because I cannot get the streets right. Try. At the corner of Claflin and Westport. You got it. Ding, 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 ding. God, I always want to put in Kimball and West Loop. Just, Which is not a... No. It's impossible. You're right. Nothing's impossible, Zach. If you move the road around. <laughs> Let's get going with your questions from Wabash Station. Unless you need to run to the fridge real quick, we'll just wait. Okay, cool. Go. First question comes from BB. If Chris Kleiman plans on retiring at K-State, how many more years would you expect him to lead the program and how many championships? He's a young man at 55, very, very young, uh, probably 30 more years. That's what I'm going for. I, you know, I don't think he's going to be a guy that 
uh, goes into his 70s. I can see, actually with Chris Kleiman, I can see this eight-year contract kind of being it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you haven't heard the new Life of Fitz, my personal podcast, Born of the Pandemic, where I just call people and we shoot the you-know-what, um, Chris Kleiman was my first um, guest of the New season, we'll have twelve or so episodes as we get you run up to football. But he, you know, he started off that he looks forward to being on the beach sometime. So, man, he just—I think he's a guy who knows that the grind he's on leads to something else. And and this isn't a shot at anyone in particular. I mean, but some coaches get addicted to the grind and it just has to go on. It just doesn't stop. Um, but I think he knows he'll come to an end date where he can go enjoy his life. I've talked to him about vacations. I didn't on this podcast in the past. I talked about vacations because I don't take them. I, I work. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why K-State football is successful. And I think all of that success he's having uh, will lead to maybe an earlier retirement than something. Like at, at, at what point does he say, I've done everything I can do at every place that I've been? I think when he reaches that point. Then he'll be happy with his career because he got to that point in North Dakota State. Right. He said, everything I can do at North Dakota State, I've done. What's the next challenge? The next challenge is at Kansas State. Guess what? He's, I want to say, what, a third of the way there? He's won a Big 12 championship. The next stage is making the college football playoff, and the final stage would be winning a national championship. Right. I'm not saying he's not going to retire until he wins a national championship, but – if but he, if we get five years in of this new contract and he wins a national championship, look, it's right. a long shot. I'm gonna. I'm not saying they will. I can see him saying, you know what, I'm going to call good. Mm-hmm. Can't get better than this. Mm-hmm. I would challenge him, though. Uh, you won four of them at, at North Dakota State. I, I think you should probably try to match that at Kansas State. You, you could retire Chris Kleiman after four national championships. That's acceptable. And let him go after a couple of playoff runs and four Big 12 championships. Do you think if Gene Taylor retires, then maybe he thinks about retiring as well? It, it probably will depend on who's the boss. Who, he would have some – I would think he would have some say on that. Look, if they promote from within – I mean, Gene's got really good people under him. I think it'd be fine. If they brought in like Laird Veach from Memphis, they'd love each other. I mean, Laird's an old football guy. I mean, they sit around and talk football. So, um, yeah, it's going to depend a lot on who they hire and what that relationship is. If there's any tension, I can see Chris saying, well, what's, what's the purpose of this? Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why ADs create tension with their coaches. We had it previously at K-State. It never made sense to me. Um, it's not a good way to motivate employees, retain employees. Um, but that's that was the working model before Gene Taylor. I'll say 15 more years. 15. That's a lot. But I mean, like 70 in the coaching world. Yeah. Isn't that, yeah. Like a guy, 55 is decently young still. So you're saying coach. all for being 15 a head coach years at K-State? Well, if he's staying. Yeah. I mean, if that's the question. So 20 years at K-State? And you stop and think about it. Like, when he gets yeah. to the end of this eight-year contract, if he makes it that long, and I know the contract will never see an end, they'll extend. But he'll be in his early 60s. I mean – if if he's won a national title, maybe I can see someone hiring him at that age. But in all likelihood, they'll they'll be going to younger and younger coaches. That's just the new movement. The only way would be the Pete Carroll route and go to the NFL, right? And I don't think he's that kind of. I don't. I don't either. think he's an NFL guy. I don't either. Football's football, but I think he likes the teaching part of it that comes with mm-hmm. college. I agree. 
good conversation. Next next question comes from Kat and Kahlo. The quarterback often leads K-State in rushing touchdowns scored, or is at least near the top each year. Who, besides Will Howard, is likely to lead the team in 2023? I think the easy answer is DJ Giddens, right? Yeah. Uh, ben Sennett probably is going to be up there. I mean, they use him yeah. not just downfield, but they use him at the goal line a lot. I, I think specifically for rushing touchdowns, though, I I don't know if they'll necessarily give him the ball in that capacity. They could. They've done it before. But I think DJ Giddens as your thunder to your Treshawn Ward's lightning would be the obvious answer. And quite honestly, I don't think Will Howard is even going to be third in the team in, in rushing touchdowns scored. I think they'll back off it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I do because I could see them trying to have um, like a Ben Sennett be that third right. leading uh rusher touchdowns not will hired because they want to keep him healthy and i don't think we're going to see will run hardly at all this year i just after the way he threw the ball last year why would you i mean there's no there's no there's no need to i think you could see him run it around 10 yards out i don't think they're gonna you know if they're on the goal line i think they'd be more likely to hand the ball off than him just you know try jamming it in well look what look what happened last year with adrian martinez and the quarterback sneak so he basically broke his leg yeah. So it's a, it. You know, I was about to say maybe they want to look at Ben Sennett in those situations to take the snap, and I'm thinking, well, you don't want to lose him either. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it is something realistic if you have another big tight end that doesn't play a lot to to groom him for those goal line situations. Just some big powerful guy. The little motion, and then tight end comes under and takes the snap. And <clears throat> I'll be intrigued to see if Colin Klein layers in a real wildcat, not not just the run version of it um but the run pass version of it and maybe for four games that's avery johnson maybe that's how they use him maybe they don't redshirt him maybe they carve out a role for him because he's so i mean he runs almost a four three and he can throw the ball and i can see them putting him into wildcat situations to protect will howard but he with the capability of throwing it too i would not be opposed to that no so are we all in agreement that dj gins is going to lead the team i, in I would agree with that i think he's He's a dude, particularly now that they're, they've kind of weaned off the f- true fullback. I know they really like Treshawn Ward, but I just think DJ – I still think DJ Giddens is going to be the guy that gets the majority of the carries. I think it's going to be real 50-50, but I, if you were talking true goal line situations, I think it's going to be DJ. Yeah. He'll pick up he, – he's one of those backs that isn't – look, by K-State standards, he's a big back. He's not a big back. He's, he's an average-sized running back. But he's gifted with the ability that really is a, an ability to fall forward, to not let the tackler define where he's going to end up very often. He's usually still going forward and picking up a half yard, another yard, and that's all you need at the goal line. Six one two ten, according to the spring roster yep. for DJ Giddens. I don't think you can discount though the connection that Will Howard and Ben Sennett had at the end of last season with how many touchdown passes yeah, incredible. they had. So, you know, if they find a comfortable a comfortable play that they like running towards the goal line, and if Ben Sennett's the target, and I think he probably would be, I think there's a good chance he scores quite a few touchdowns. I think he could be towards the top. I'm going to take this a step further. I'm, I'm looking at Deuce Vaughn's um, stats last year. Anybody have any idea how many rushing touchdowns he had? I, I should, but I don't. 15? Uh, I'm asking because obviously now that he's on the Cowboys, they put him on the Cowboys roster. Um, yeah, I think, let me let me go here and look. Stats. Okay, here we go. I'm going to say that um, he had 
nine rushing touchdowns in 2022 and 18 in 2021. That was his that was official. his line. Yes. So the question is, does DJ Giddens have more than nine? I think the answer to that question yeah, is yes. I agree. Now, you also have to take into account that in 2021, Deuce obviously had a little bit higher workload than he did in 2022. Yep. And they threw the ball more uh, in the air for touchdowns this past season. But I think DJ will rush will rush for more than nine touchdowns, and that should should put him in the lead. How many receiving touchdowns, touchdowns did Deuce have last year? Uh, Three. Okay. Yeah, and the year before he had more than that, I know. So uh, he was down production-wise in the end zone, but, you know, a lot of that had to do with the emergence of DJ yeah. Giddens, too. So very good. Next question comes from Woody Shade Dog. Mm, love that name. The K-State win total for 2023 is at 8.5 games. Oh, this is one of my favorite questions. Have you made any bets yet? <clears throat> now, we are only allowed to quote one book on this site, technically. CBS is affiliated with Caesars. So that is the official sports book of 24-7. Don't bet that eight and a half. Unless it's changed, they have eight. And that is all the difference. I wasn't going to bet eight and a half. I don't feel, I feel like they will win nine or ten, but what if there's injuries? What if they get a couple bad breaks and end up winning eight? Well, now I get the push, and I'll take that. Um, yeah, but Caesars has, has had a better number and I did bet that number cause I wasn't going to touch eight and a half just cause maybe I'm addicted to the easy bets that it's been in the past. What was it? Six and a half last yeah, year. Yeah. I mean, that was just picking money up off the floor. That was Cash, almost at the bye weekend. <laughs> I, I, Vegas is beginning to figure this out and that K-State's legit. I still think eight and a half might be low when you look at Oklahoma's nine and a half. What the hell? Yeah. I, I I think I did bet the under on that, by the way. Um, so yeah, I, I would take eight, but I'm a little leery of eight and a half. I you, when you look at the eight games, it's like, will they finish seven and five? It will be a colossal failure. Like I think everybody in this program will agree that if they win if they win seven games, that is a failure. After winning the Big Twelve championship, you return your quarterback, you return all these pieces to go seven and five. There's some serious question marks. Yeah, if they go seven and five or less or worse, I've got bigger concerns than losing a ten twenty dollar bet. Right now, <laughs> yeah, that's all that it is. Um, eight and a half, I think, is right. I have not bet it yet, but I I will take the over on that because I think nine and three is about right. Were they were they nine and three last year? Yes, and I think that they'll be they have a better uh, a better schedule than they did last year. Um, so. Even if they're not as talented, I still think they should get to that that mark. Yeah, yeah, eight and a half is tough. I think eight's probably a good number, but also I'm perpetually predicting eight and four seasons for K State for and, the past six years, and being happy about it, and not being disappointed if it's less than that because of you know different reasons, guys leaving, going pro, whatever else. But I don't like futures bets anyway. You don't like to wait. No, there's no need to wait on an even money type of bet. No, no I agree with that. For a win total. I, I just, I don't, I don't like it, but I would go with eight if you can get eight. Cause like Fitz said, you get the push. Push. Fair enough. Push. The last question of the first half comes from, I like pickles cat. Pickles. What do you want college football to look like in five years? What rules do you add, remove and solidify? 
Um, I hate the new rules, by the way. What? Running clock? Yes. No. Uh, it's it's great. I'm fine with that. Is it at the final two minutes of each half or just the end of the game? Uh, I'm more in favor of... It's the final two minutes of each half is when they don't do the running. Right. Which is good. That's that's the fun time. But so it, on an incomplete pass, it's not a still a running clock. No, it's just the first no, down. It's NFL just rules. the first down. Okay. Yeah. NFL, same just, as NFL. Just use the NFL rules. I just... I don't... I get it. I understand why they do it. But the NFL... There's so f- less possessions that it's just a completely different game than college football. Is it the XFL? college football runs a billion plays an hour? I think that's good for the sport. I think it keeps people entertained because I, I then you can still run the same pace and there's less time. I just can't. W- I can watch a random college football game because I think at any given time there's a lot of interesting things that happen because there's just so many more plays. I just struggle to sit down and watch a random NFL game because. Three and out punt. I can tell you a lot of records will be untouchable. Number of plays run, that type of thing. I think it'll actually somehow for, um, of course, the teams going really fast can't go faster. I mean, but I think a lot of slower teams will pick up the pace a little bit Mm -hmm. because this costs you five to ten plays in the entire game between the two teams. If you're a slow-paced team like Bill Snyder used to be, that, that can be enough plays to not allow you to get done what you need to get done. Agreed. My one change in football that I'm all in on, and my apologies, I, as of now, I haven't watched it. Is it the XFL with the new kickoff where the kicker's back there? But and the, they start, yeah. What an incredible idea. Cuts down on the, the injuries from the amount of momentum and force you get running down the field. It, it keeps the kickoff part of the game. It actually makes the blocking schemes more like a, mm-hmm, a real play. scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. Um, and I think eliminating kickoffs and the excitement and volatility of kickoffs is bad for the game. I have not liked the fair catch rule at all in college football. I don't think you should be able to fair catch any ball on a kickoff within the field of play unless you want it at that spot. So you don't like the NFL's yeah, change. That's this coming year. to yeah, the NFL. That's team. the NFL now. Yeah. So. No, I I think this has been bad for football and I think the uh XFL, if it's that it's the USFL. It is it's the XFL. Yeah. XFL has it right. That is really cool. And I don't even know the full parameters of it. I've seen it and I'm like, that is brilliant. Well it, it's more of a play. Yeah. You literally have you have to block now. It's uh you got a guy ten yards away from you, you know, you're going hat for hat how do you find a way to be better than the person across from you? It it turns into a play, and special teams are a major emphasis when it comes to that. I would love that because I think you get your better athletes out on the field. How many times do we see – the reason why K-State is so good at special teams is because their guys that are maybe walk-ons or fourth stringers care so much more than the other schools who those guys really could care less about being out there. That's why K-State succeeds in special teams they would have a major advantage if they did something like that. I don't know if you like that rule as a kicker or not, because um, in some ways you're probably less involved in the play. But if a play breaks the the line, it's you. Yeah. You, uh, that's when you want um, a Nick Walsh or, or Ty Zentner, an, an athlete that wants to hit people back there. Mm-hmm. Nick Walsh would just absolutely level people. It was hysterical. He wasn't very big. He just destroy people. And then write a song about it. They need a shortened halftime. It doesn't need to be it 20 is too minutes. Long. 20 minutes is way too long. Shorten it to 15. NFL's 12. I think 12 is probably a little too short for yeah. the college game, but 15 is 
100% fair for halftime. Um, God, man, you're costing me ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> you can get up at any time. If anything, it's costing me ice cream oh, sandwiches. Oh, good point. I'm, yep. yep, I'm. I'm that's yeah. a very good point. Um, Sacrifices you make. How are we on media game. timeouts? I would. I would. I have not I called sh- one in my entire career, <laughs> and I don't appreciate them being called media timeouts. Unless I can call them, don't name them media timeouts. Timeout. I would turn one, one of the team timeouts. It's a forced timeout, like. Like in the NBA, how they give you these timeouts, but at certain, like when it's time for a media timeout, it's a forced team timeout. Mm. Dead ball, Nuggets have to take the timeout. They didn't call it, but they lose a timeout because it's media time. One of the timeouts should be a forced media timeout to save on, it might say, you know, at a certain point when they've run all the, the TV timeouts or whatever, they're 30 seconds, but figure out a way to combine a team called timeout with a media timeout somehow. I think that if you could find a way to decrease the actual time of the media timeouts, I know that's a very frustrating thing for fans at the stadium is the the two minutes or however long the media time. It just seems like in college football, there's so many more commercials than there is in the NFL. They should do more side-by-side, like yeah. ad breakouts. You know, we there's a punt. They're, they're running between the field. Here's the 30-second ad from State Farm. Correct. You know, and just, then there's Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid drawing mustaches. I, I, I don't understand why they claim those aren't effective ads. I get up and leave. Change the channel. You change the channel, too. Yeah, I go find another guy. If you leave me something to watch, coaches talking to players, anything, I'll be absorbing the sound of that Budweiser ad with the logos that I can't miss. I don't I don't. I don't understand. Like, put more advertising green screen laid over on the field like they do in hockey or, you know, NBA, they do it too. So there's there's ways with technology to get your ad dollars that can just kind of go along with the game instead of interrupting the game. Yeah, I agree. Jersey patches. How about that? Kansas State sponsors by GoPowerCat. Well, how much money do you think we have? <laughs> I mean, we all know it's going to be a purple shamrock. Let's not get carried away here. That's all we got for the first half. Oh, that's right. That was it. Thanks for listening to the first half of the Go Power Cat Power Cat Questions podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We'll be back on the other side with more of your questions. Maybe not yours. Maybe it's someone else's from Wabash Station. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast, your weekly journey into Kansas State sports knowledge. 
And we're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Please stop into The Fridge whenever you can. They're just wonderful people, and it's a wonderful place to pick up your party needs. Because if you know me, I'm a party. That might have been a lie. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, no Ryan Gilbert. He'll be joining us for the overtime that'll appear this weekend. And remember, the Life of Fitz podcast has officially dropped. The start of season four is upon us with Chris Kleiman. That should be in your PowerCat podcast feed right now. Or, excuse me, it won't be. And you have to go sign up for the Life of Fitz. <clears throat> it's a separate podcast. What am I saying? I'm lost, Zach. You just let me babble. Advertisement. I just falsely inform people of the wrong information. That makes sense. Life of Fits is a separate podcast. You won't get it on your PowerCat podcast feed. Go subscribe to that on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I'm really proud of it. It's just casual conversations. And Coach Cly and I talked for about 45, 50 minutes before Gene Taylor rudely interrupted and, and had a meeting with him, cutting 10 minutes out of my valuable time. Taylor, I ought to stop into the <laughs> fridge whenever you're in town. Please do so. Cole, take it away. From Dan the Wildcat fan. Is Bramlage the last piece of capital improvements for the foreseeable future? If so, why not take on debt, bulldoze it, and build the best arena in the conference? The debt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> Money. It's so volatile right now in, in the world of college athletics. The balance that uh, Gene Taylor has to strike all the time is we have to keep up, but we can't slide into a financial hole that might kill us off later. It's a real challenge. I don't know how he's going to put it all together, but <clears throat> it's it's a tangible issue. Let's put it that way. If he were to bulldoze that arena, he would be the living Joe Exotic meme of, I'm never going to financially be able to recover from this. That's funny. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I flat out asked him, and he said, we're looking at three, you know, it was like $300 million or some $500 some just absurd just amount of money. build a new arena with that money or well were you talking about yeah. building one yeah oh yeah, not, yeah, yeah, not yeah, renovating yeah. okay now yeah. what they what the original plan and granted this was the john curry plan but i do like it taking out the west side of bramlage uh putting in ground level entries they can have a grand plaza hall of fame um and i, I come back to this if ku wants to claim that um portions of their football stadium renovation project uh are economic development with that Whatever that area is, I don't know why tax dollars are paying for a hotel and convention center when that should be paid by the city or the university. But if that's the argument and the and the state allocated those funds based on that, K-State should be in line saying, hey, we'll let uh, our foundation backstop $150 million. Where's our $50 million? Because that's what it takes. Three to one, you got to have it on hand. And then go raise the money. you got a $200 million project, 25% of which will be paid by the state or federal funds and uh, allocated by the state. And off you go. You can do what you want to do. Now, the process will suck, but... Just just redo the outside of Bramlage at this point. Redo the west side so that um, older fans can get in more at a ground-level entry. Put in some more boxes up top on that side. Put in offices, whatever you need. I Look, I'll go all in on this. Put the athletic offices over there. Build those over there. Move them back to Bramlage, connecting to the football stadium, and give the football 
program the veneer complex. With all the growing staff needs of those of football programs, just give it to them. I, I'm all in. Just go for it. It's not my money. I don't have to fundraise it. Yeah, that's about the debt. Now, if they get a separate basketball-only media deal that somehow gives a ton of extra money to basketball and being able to provide an arena that will even increase your revenue from what you can do at Bramlage, maybe you should do it. But, yeah, the debt is the main reason why you don't want to do it. I'll also say, though, I'll be that one person that says, you know what, I really don't think that watching a game inside of Bramlage Coliseum is a bad experience. No, well... Like there's some there's a lot of parts about the arena that obviously need to be updated. But if you are a casual fan who comes to a game three or four times a year, I don't think your experience is hampered that much because it is still a nice enough place where you can go, you can sit in your seat, you can watch a game and there's not a bad seat in the, the place. problem is the game experience is more than just the 40 minutes of basketball that you're watching. It is. It's you're about right. the concessions, it's about the amenities, it's about the merchandise. There's an experience that Bramlage just does not deliver to the expectations of what the fan in 2023 expects when they go. And it's not just a K-State thing. No, it's, it's just any, yeah. any stadium or experience. It's Bramlage was built at a time where it was about the game. Mm-hmm. It was about those 40 minutes of basketball, and that's all that mattered. Maybe you can go get a hot dog at some point. But, you know, the... The stadium experience is even less about the game than what it once was, especially when Bramlage was built. Football does it right. They they do it right. They do a better – let me say this. They do a better job at Bill Snyder Family Stadium than they do at Bramlage. With that being said, they also have to take care of a lot more people, and they've yeah. renovated it and made it a lot more modern. But – Still only one concourse. It is. But if you're, focused, if you're focused on the basketball – I don't think that it's necessarily a bad place to watch a game. Right. If you're a season ticket holder and you really care about watching the games, yes. But there is a certain aspect of, you know, there's a lot of empty seats. Even, you know, with the program being good, there's still empty seats that are available to be sold. And sometimes the arena experience might be a driving factor in why they could how they could sell those tickets in the future or why they're not selling those tickets now mm-hmm. green yep all right staying on the basketball train from cat and Kahlo once again if jerome tain if who, who's jerome tain i don't know who that is that guy he must be a new assistant coach Tame or tain i don't know i spelled it correctly you jerome did. tang i can't it talk is, that's the problem okay. Oh. okay if jerome tang signs no more Transfer portal players for next year is K State still an NCAA tournament team? Will Naquan Tomlin have to be the player to step up his game the most, or would they likely need to rely on Tyler Perry? Um, yeah, I mean, they'll be a decent team. I think they can be a tournament team. Let's put it in this context: they'll be a Bruce Weber level team, fighting and scrapping, trying to get enough wins to get in the tournament. They're not done. I mean, there's no way they're done. They'll go overseas. They'll find a junior college player. They'll do something. Um, they're, they're not. I, I'm just continue to give them faith that there is a plan here because they don't seem to be alarmed at all. We might be as observers on the outside, but I feel like they know something's going on. I, I don't know what that is, but we'll find out. 
If they don't, ooh. They like what they have. I think let's just say that, right? Like they like what they have. They probably would like more. But I, I also get the sense that like there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that the only people that know are in that building. Like right. we don't know as journalists. The players don't know about it. I would even venture to say a lot of donors don't even know about it. There's a lot of stuff that goes on inside of that building that only they know about. And I just begin have begun to wonder if this in a whole NIL situation is a whole hell of a lot worse in the transfer portal than did people you just, really realize. Did you just describe the PGA Tour? <laughs> I knew we had to get that snuck in there somewhere. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Nobody knows anything except the commissioner. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're a tournament team with what they have right now. They could be. But they lost a lot of pieces that aren't measurably replaced. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're having to talk about, well, here's this guy that was on the team last year. He's going to have to really step up if they make the tournament. If that's the concern, then yeah, I don't know if this team's a tournament team. With Bruce Weber, the players that needed to step up never did. Yes. I, I'm not ready to say that that same thing is going to happen right. with I don't. Tank. I think this team could be. If this is all they have, because they have pieces. Obviously, there were some guys in the locker room that did experience it. They've gained some leadership, and especially being the older guys now and with the experience and the incoming freshmen and the guys that didn't play last year. You know, it'll it'll be a different team. They've got good players still, but there's a lot of unknowns. And it does help probably the fan perception of if you can go find a winner in the transfer portal like Keontae Johnson or even, you know, a Desi Sills, some guy like that that can go out there for you and put up 10 points a night. It'll make the fans at least feel more comfortable. But until, you know, until that happens, I don't know if this if this team is a, is a tournament team. I just look at the progression that Marquise Noel made from – the year he had under Bruce Weber to the year he had under Jerome, under Jerome Tang. And I feel like Naquan Tomlin can take that next step. Yeah, I think he's going to be significantly better. I have no no doubts about that. But, I mean, there's just not the weapons to replace Marquise Keontae and what Naquan put in the pot. I mean, <clears throat> if he rises up and replaces one of the big two guys, well, he's still got more to replace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, they need more guys. That's my, that was your stomach. That was incredible. Lunch time. I'm glad I canceled doing the uh, overtime today yeah. to move it back later in the week so we can feed you. They need bodies. They need bodies. Yeah. Yeah. And they need, they need another score. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got some real talented freshmen coming in at the perimeter positions. I think he knows that, but he also wants a little more experience at guard. And I think he he certainly wants another big man that can be a more physical defender while running the floor. Mm-hmm. I'll say this. Andy Katz did his latest bracketology last week. He had K-State out of the tournament. And at this moment, I think that's extremely fair for a projection. If you were making a 2024 NCAA bracket projection, at least what, you know, what the team is at the moment and how it shapes up in the college basketball landscape. Why are you making a bracket projection if we don't even know what the teams are going to be yet, though? That's yeah. but, well, it's just nonsense. I know. They're just doing it for clicks, right? I mean, sure. But also, there has been transfer portal movement. You know, It's not like you can look at KU and be like, well, I just I don't know if they're going to be good. They, they did get some transfer. They got good players. KU is going to be good next year. I'm sorry to say it. But 
it's fair to project them wherever you want to project them in a tournament bracket. Is it fair to project? K-State is not as fair. or You can't fairly place K-State at the moment in a bracket. Yeah. I don't don't think you can make the argument. I think if you get mad about that, though, you're just looking for something to get mad about. Right. That's kind of how I view that. And by the way, we we also do stuff for clicks. I'm just going to say it. We also put up content. That we want you to click on. So if you see a picture of Avery Johnson on the front page, make yeah, sure you click on it. We're trying to get the clicks. Just full disclosure, we we need the clicks. Next question comes from Powercat Ryan. K-State, K-State basketball, I really cannot talk That's today. That's okay. It's a small detail. It is. K-State basketball will head to the Middle East on August 10th and will play their first basketball game on the first possible date of the 2023-2024 season. Are we overlooking the impact that this trip and the preseason can have on maturing these freshmen and gelling the team as a whole? I totally forgot about that trip. I didn't even know that was a thing until yeah. I saw this question in the I mean, thread. That's a DD right there, in it? Sure. Um, I won't remember that. Yeah, no, those trips are valuable, um, as long as you don't get injuries and in those things. I mean, it's going on the road for an extended period of time and sharing space with your teammates and every, you do everything together. You know, I think that's as much as the practice and the exposure to game competition is really important, I think the whole experience of bonding with your teammates is very valuable. And I think we've seen in the past, while I can't point to it right now as I sit here stumbling through this answer, I I think in the past we've seen teams benefit from this, not K-State, just around college basketball benefit from these trips. It's nice to be included in things again. And, and, And I really don't mean intend that as a shot. I'm just... Kansas State in the past, I don't you can go beyond ten years if you want. I mean, would not have been invited to Las Vegas to play USC in the first game of LeBron James's son's college career. That would have never happened. That's the tang effect in one year. And it's only gonna grow. Who would have ever thought that K State would be going up against Bronny James in his first career game? I personally I don't know how good he's gonna be. But um, it's, it's just the whole it's idea. very significant. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad to say that I will be using my personal funds to help go to that game because it's big. Because it's your condo. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> we don't have a condo. We've got, we've got timeshare. Judge me. So is that a game on a Monday? Yeah, it's on a Monday. So the, my, my obstacle here, first of all, I was going to probably send you two to Texas if you can. Yes. Don't no, no you. That was upright. Please put. Thank you. Um, <laughs> anyhow, because I need to cut back on some of this travel. I mean, I barely made it through the season, and um, but so I'll be traveling to Vegas to to save on energy. I don't know how that works. Uh, the game's on Monday, and then we have a press conference on Tuesday at noon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to make it back for that. Just take the red eye. From well, we pl- we plan on taking a very early flight, but I can't red eye it because I I don't know when we're going to be done working on Monday night. I don't know if they're the early or late game. They're like a they would be the late game. I would think so. So what time is that going to tip off in Vegas? Eight? No, surely it'll be earlier than that. I mean, because oh. is well, Vegas they're playing USC. Las Vegas Grand Prix is going to start at ten o'clock local. So PM? Yeah. It's going to be midnight what? Eastern. 
I would imagine Why? that would be. Why? Oh, well, it's, it's international. Vegas. It's, it's Vegas. international, too. But, yeah, I mean, that's the idea. Is you probably want that game in primetime on the East Coast or like 8 p.m. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll well, see. it'd be 8 o'clock Central. That's my prediction. That's that's very believable, which would be six out there. Yeah. yeah. So, you, so you're going to be sitting courtside next to LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and then Dennis Rodman's son plays for USC, too. He's going to be there. Wait, you're just going to be. Did you say Anthony Davis? Anthony Davis, yeah. I mean, he'll go with LeBron, guaranteed. <laughs> just like, like an accessory? Man? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, can you ask LeBron about his tweet sure, sure, yeah. from December 2010 when he was watching the Pinstripe Bowl mm-hmm. between K-State and Syracuse? Where he said that the refs absolutely hosed K State. I forgot about that. He tweeted about it. Thank you, dude. Uh, as a dude, Jan, I hope the mics picked that up because it was awesome. You should uh, go print that off and just like have him autograph it. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. The last question of the podcast comes from Call Me T Twenty Two, who real quick is getting married on Saturday. So congratulations to Call Me T Twenty Two. By the time you're listening to this, you're probably going to be on the way back. From your wedding location, congratulations. I wonder where he's getting married and where he's going to honeymoon. It will be at the Alumni Center. Oh, cool. So I just dropped That's in. That's a horrible place to have a honeymoon. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, I'll i just drop in. You yeah. can be my plus one. Oh, you're going to this. I am going to be there. Oh, well, I don't want to be your plus one because you, well, you expect things. <laughs> Go on with it. Go. You are the college sports czar, and you get to cap conferences at a certain minimum and maximum number of teams. What is the perfect number of teams in a college athletics conference? Twelve. But. Not ten? No. I think twelve's. But I'd max it at 16 and put it at ten. Because then. And I'd also make everyone play nine damn conference games. SEC? I can't believe That is ridiculous. It's just so... They think they can't do anything wrong. Problems with the TV contract. They wouldn't pay us more. Hold on. Hold on. If you have 16, nine, 16 conference games that become eight... Let me back up. 16 non-conference games that become eight conference games, they have eight less games to broadcast... You're getting paid more for fewer games. You're getting paid the same for fewer games. I don't. Under- but they don't make them play two power five non-conference games. If you're going to do eight, if you're going to do eight conference that's the games, line. that's yeah. fine. You have to play two power five non-conference games. Whatever End the of discussion, whatever the strength of schedule weighting is, um, and I'll add in Notre Dame and I'll even give you a freaking army. If you want to count that um, or any academy. If you are going to have 10 games, you should be at a baseline of expectations. And if you have nine power games, you get you get marked down. And if you're West Virginia or I was looking at the 2024 schedules and Florida plays 11, plays 11. That's honestly, I think that's awesome. And, and the only reason they got there was because UCF. But. What an incredible non-conference games. They've got like Stetson or something um, in the South. But their non-conferences, this is Florida. They're playing Florida State, Miami, and UCF. That's awesome. And I appreciate that a lot. I think that's really cool. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like that RPI discussion you guys had for baseball. 
Yeah. Only this time the teams are getting uh, they're not getting they're not getting penalized. They're getting rewarded because they're playing ter- more terrible teams. Terrible teams. Yeah. Ter- just those November games are some of the most disgusting things in college sports, and the way the SEC fans just yawn it off, folks. They're screwing you. It does nothing for the program either. It does nothing for the program. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to get out there and see if your third stringers who are five-star recruits would, can play up against FCS schools? No. Get out of here with that. I, I would say it does benefit you. Squad rotation. It, you, you, you develop some depth, and you limit your injuries in November. Okay, I guess I understand that. And, and I see why they do it. It's still cowardly. Play better games. You're screwing the fans. You're screwing your TV partners. You're actually screwing yourselves. And you can sit there and say, and this is a was a fascinating stat, it's only because the SEC dominance that nobody since going to a 12-game schedule has won a national title playing nine conference games. Well, that's because the SEC wins most of them. I mean, we're not going to sit here and, and let you think that everything about the SEC is better than every other conference, but the elite teams in your conference are certainly better. We've always said that. Mm-hmm. But then when... Kansas State or another Big 12 school plays a non-version of those elite schools, they, they win. You're not all that. Play play nine games. Get rid of those November games. You're screwing your own fans, and they're smiling about it. That's a great setup. I, I don't know how you pulled that off. It's ridiculous. Would you be okay if K-State or any other Big 12 school moved their FCS game to November? Oh, God. Fans would be pissed. Just pissed. I would hate it as as someone who covers the team and as someone who is probably inside of that program. I don't think they would like that either because you go from playing the rigors of a Big 12 schedule in and out and all of a sudden you have a, a pseudo bye week. The hardest part would be turning it back on because once you get that once you get that competitive light lit inside of you, you cannot turn it off. Yep. And it would be really hard for those players to have to adjust to that. So you you're saying if you're eight and one You'd rather not have kind of a rest week yes. to rebuild for the postseason. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Now. It works for the SEC. I get that they're only playing eight conference games. For the Alabamas, for the Georgias, but we've seen those other schools that lose those games. Is K-State going to be one of those teams that's losing those games? Shouldn't be. I would argue that K-State's not a top ten program in all of college football right now, so... Those are only the I'm teams. Just, my I, I get what is, you're saying. My argument is maybe I'm way out. Of, may I'm way out of bounds on this, but if the SEC is doing it and they're winning national championships and they're getting away with it, why has nobody adopted the same strategy of having these late November games where you can rest your starters for the second half and well reduce I'll, injury? I'll and, tell you why because the TV networks would be less compliant with the Big Twelve. Um, That's or anyone else doing it. Maybe even the Big Ten, based on their contract, all those games are now on network platforms. Yeah, you got that. Um, so yeah, the SEC can get away with it, so they do it. I, I mean, that's that's the the thought of many wealthy people or a wealthy conference. We can get away with it, so let's do it. I just. But also, if you did it, if you staggered it with the SEC and you did it on a different weekend. You can still take the television inventory because the the t- 
TV channel. K-State's still going to be playing on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. If you stagger it to where you're still you're not playing those games on the weekends that the SEC is going to be playing on the SEC network with all of their joke games, you know, you're not necessarily losing the television inventory, especially when you're comparing it with Big 12, who has a similar TV alignment, I guess, with the SEC being an ESPN partner. We did not answer his question, but it was still a good conversation. Uh, still 10 on... I agree me. with you, Zach. Because you can play your non-conference games, and round robin. Basketball. You can crown a proper regular season champion without a championship game. You know, you can you can have an outright champion if you just play round robin. And then you can do the same thing in basketball, double round robin. Easy. Or you could do 20, and you could just vary up the football games however yeah. many years and in basketball you just play one one team and throughout Good. throughout the whole conference season let me let me just concisely answer why i think uh 16 is actually the the best number to schedule with particularly if and it looks like the big 12 steering into this the you know i know a lot of you go pods it's stupid but they're actually building pods by region I mean, if they bring in three teams from the the Pac-12 to go with BYU, 14-pod. You've got four teams left over from the Big 8. You've got four teams in Texas. And if they add a UConn or USF, which is a big point of contention, I think, and Brett Yarmark, I imagine, will get UConn into this conference for many reasons I understand now. Um, and because he's not thinking of next year, he's thinking of – Seven years from now, what will UConn football look like? What will UConn basketball or the whole Big 12 basketball? So you end up with four out east. In football, you play everyone in your pod every year, which with this case makes perfectly sense, perfectly good sense. K-State will play KU, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State every year. That's the way it should be. If you're a Texas school, you'll play every Texas school every year. If out west, every every game. You know, you play them all. Out east, it gets a little more broken and fragmented because you got UCF kind of on an island, but still you're, you're in your own time zone. So you play three games against your annual opponents in your pod. And then there's, there's 12 other teams, schools in three different pods. So you play two a season and you're at nine games. You play two season, two a season from everyone in a pod. And if you don't establish opponent games, rivalry games, from pod to pod, you play everyone in a 16-team conference twice in a four-year period in football. That's what I don't understand about the SEC. That's what you could be doing. What an incredible way to schedule for your fans and for TV. But no, you're just going to have one annual game and then the eight. It just doesn't make sense to me. Basketball, everyone in your pod, home and away, everyone wants. Boom. You're, you're at 18 games. Yeah. It, it works great. It does. All right. I'm sold. I, I know. It, uh, look, it's it good. Makes so much sense. It's good enough, but I really do like 10. 10, there's, 10 is just I mean, it's the so op- it's the opposite of the right. 16 because you get your nine football games. You get your 18 basketball yeah. games. It's all mathematically smooth. Um, you see everyone every year. But at 16 schools, which is a reasonable number now, which they've kind of stretched our – realm here um when they start talking 20 and 24 um which is way too many it's just if i'm brett yormark and it gets to 24 i try to establish 12 east and 12 out west and i say you know what we're the big 12 conference 
that's the Big 12 East. That's the Big 12 West. What do we we get two automatics now? Or two conferences under one umbrella that will cross schedule share games. I don't know. Anyhow, 16 just works so well. And it, it also gives you the advantage of all four time zones for TV, a national reach that he wants. And then, you know, if you really want to do a basketball thing, you can figure out 20 basketball teams or even 18. You can figure it out. I'd just add more games. But let, let's be honest. You you can easily play 20 conference games if you mm-hmm. wanted to start in December and, and get rid of so many of these bad schools. And I, that will hurt those schools. It'll be horrible for them. But so be it. Play better teams, man. For football scheduling in a 16, they should absolutely just copy the NFL scheduling model. Yeah, they could do just that. copy it for for conference play, home and away, or well, you play everybody in your in your pod once, and then you play wherever you finished in the last season in your division. That's where you know you'll play the number one if you won your division, you play the number one team in all the other three divisions, and then you play one other division completely. I'm I'm actually in favor of having cross pod rivalries. Um, I don't know who West Virginia would consider to be their biggest rivals in the old Big Eight and old in Texas, but they would play them every year. And then you rotate the ever, other three in your pod, in the other pods every six years they come through. I'm I'm really good with that. I think Baylor BYU has the potential to be a great rivalry. Um, I, I want to play TCU every year. K State and TCU is a natural rivalry built in by the colors and by you know Gary Patterson being there when they joined the conference. You know, if you look at, at Kansas, yeah, I don't know who in football they would consider rivals, but they're rising Houston, up. Houston just finish first every year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you you bring in those Western schools. Yeah, you're going to kind of cobble together some quote rivalries that don't maybe make sense, but in six years. You can recycle and say, okay, Arizona and UCF really never gained any traction. Let's try Arizona and Cincinnati for the next six years. Oh, what if we get, uh, what's the uh, UConn, UCF, civil conflict, the civil conflict. Is that what they call their game? Yeah, it was like some weird fake rivalry that they made up. I love it. I, I Guys, I think UConn's coming in. I think two Pac-12s in UConn will come in. And then Brett Yormark's just going to stare at those other schools and say, you know, it's, it's, it's time to come to Papa. Can you spell Connecticut? Uh, yes, I can, but not out loud. I, seriously, I can't spell stuff out loud. I've got to type it out. <laughs> yes, but uh, I don't like UConn all caps, and that's how they prefer it. And when you put it like UC and lowercase, oh, they get pissed. So I'm kind of torn between getting it right and pissing them off that's just me that's how i roll mm-hmm. that was a long second half we appreciate you listening to the Firecat questions podcast but the good news is i got one heck of a fired up for later in the week right there huh huh that's how we work it's all about the clicks thank you for listening to the power cat podcast make sure you're subscribing to our show at apple spotify amazon or wherever you get your podcasts PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com.
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.